Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Daily Friend Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Herman Pretorius. Let us get into the first story of today, and that is the medium-term budget. So halfway through every fiscal year, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Minister of Finance gets to sort of make a small adjustment to the country's national budget, and it's a really great indicator of where the country's finances are going. And as expected, the finance minister is very worried about the state of the fiscus. Uh, we are currently facing a massive tax shortfall of uh, uh, of many billions. Um, and one of the key items that is, I think, crucial to the electoral prospect of the ANC and also to um, the sort of as a, as, a, as a kind of indicator of where the country's fiscal well-being is, is the social relief of distress grant. This is the 350 rand grant that was implemented during lockdown to help people uh, who were basically too poor and didn't have any kind of alternative source of income. Um, it's 350 rand per month, and it has proven to be pretty popular. And in fact, many in the ANC's orbit have uh, thought of making this permanent or perhaps even expanding it to become a permanent unemployment grant that basically goes to all unemployed people in the country or some kind of basic income grant that everyone can get. Uh, Gononguana had originally said that he would extend the social relief of distress grant until March of 2024 in the midterm budget. He has now announced that it will be extended to March 2025, which of course will be after the elections. Uh, he, however, did say that the country's uh, the country had ne uh, needed to go uh, do a comprehensive review of government's entire social system, social security system, and also that the current fiscal space was too constrained to expand the social relief of distress grant beyond 2025 without additional funding. Government proposes that the fiscal framework make provision for funding the grant for 2024-2025 beyond this a comprehensive review of the entire social grant system by the Department of Social Development and National Treasury is required. Uh, so Herman, it really does look like the government is in this difficult position where it's got all these demands for patronage and corruption from cadres in the state, but at the same time, it's also got the demands of for, for uh, social security and social services, which um, it needs to maintain its voting base. And there just isn't enough money to do all of these things, especially with the economy where it is. Yeah, the problem with socialism is that sooner or sooner or later you run out of other people's money to spend and to, to quote another you know a uh, uh, figure of the 1980s um i think it was reagan who said that there's nothing as permanent as a temporary government program uh, and that is what we see here with the uh, relief grant covid relief grant being rolled out i mean it is impossible and the ir warned at the time that once you introduce this it becomes almost in human and humane to to then retract it because the economy and the state it's in the, taking the knock it has uh, without the ability to boost your income in any other way of course people are going to consider this a lifeline um, as as lower figure as it might seem to many um, it is quite often the difference between a meal and no meal uh, for people in this country so the bigger problem is that this was I mean as ANC budgets go. Um, this continues the trend set by Mboweni a few years ago, where they talk austerity, but then they start to tinker around the edges to not 
make any significant cuts, but just to you know reduce the amount by which spending escalates. Now, on that score, Gorongwana actually goes a bit further than Mboweni, but without any real substance being added to it. The worrying things that we should take from this, uh, well, l- let me mention a few good things. No further bailouts mentioned or announced for state-owned enterprises. No bailout announced for Transnet. That's good. We welcome that. The problem is revenue collection has collapsed, and we are now looking at borrowing an average of 553 billion rand a year. That means we are borrowing 1.5 billion rand a day. Added to that is the problem that servicing these debt costs are increasing rapidly. We are approaching the point where just servicing the debt will start eating up to close to a quarter of South Africa's fiscal uh, resources and capacity. Now, Mr. Gordonguana had a difficult task. I think he got through it. No new taxes, good thing. No new bailouts, good thing. Uh, getting serious about the fiscal restraint, a good thing. However, we must question whether Mr. Gordonguana will be able to follow through on this. Tito Mboweni wanted, made similar noises. Ramaphosa left him out to dry. If Ramaphosa does not support in cabinet his finance minister, then any talk of reform will be slow in materializing or totally absent in materializing. Well said. Okay, let's move on to the next story. And this is about the proposed new SOE, that is state-owned enterprise, which will be a state-owned enterprise of state-owned enterprises. So rather than having a department of public works, the idea here is that there will be a state-owned enterprise, which is the holding company for a number of other state-owned enterprises. Now, initially, the idea is to put the more well-functioning state-owned enterprises into the control of this, while the really dysfunctional ones, such as, for example, ESCOM, will be left outside until they are fixed. Um, but the, the the bill has now um, sort of come out, and uh, let's just say that there are many people, and this is I'm taking this from the Daily Maverick, uh, particularly in the business community, who are very worried about the structure of this bill. One of the things that the bill was purported to do was try and depoliticize state-owned enterprises. But the bill is going to place all the power to appoint the boards of these uh, state of this state-owned enterprise that holds state-owned enterprises in the hands of the president, which really isn't a functional difference. And considering um, the way that uh, uh, politicization has worked out so far of SOEs, um, with all of this concentrated in the president's office, there's very little room chance that there'll be a depoliticization. In fact, these state and enterprises are probably going to be just as politicized as before, if not more. Herman, mm. what do you make of this? There's a wonderful joke in philosophy where a philosopher was arguing with an elderly lady about whether the earth is round or flat. And he, her view was that it is a flat disk on the back of elephants on a tortoise going through space, the Terry Pratchett sort of view. And then the philosopher said, yes, but ma'am, what's underneath the tortoise? And she says, no, it's another tortoise. And he's, yes, and underneath that tortoise, what? And the madam got annoyed and she said, my dear young man, it's tortoises all the way down. And it feels like it's SOEs all the way down. We have an SOE to pick up the failing SOEs. And the question that seems so frustratingly unanswered is whether SOEs in and of themselves 
are a good idea when you have such a spectacular lack of performance and productivity in the existing SOEs. This isn't compounding the problem, This or this isn't the solution. It is compounding the problem. And just imagine such a powerful president and another Zoomer. The idea behind this bill is so fundamentally flawed that it's almost annoying that the business community critiquing the bill isn't taking issue with the heart of the bill, the actual problem that a state shouldn't compete when, where you know the free market can offer solutions. They are seeding the principle that SOEs are somehow a justifiable expense of taxpayers' money and can somehow become constructive productive and competitive, which is the real issue here. So tinker around the edges all you will, but the business community should understand that you don't get to negotiate once you cede the fundamental premise that the government should actually be able to spend billions of taxpayers' money on inefficient companies. So uh, speaking of SOEs, let us move on to our last topic for today, and that is Transnet. Transnet says that it is now paving the way for private players to operate on the network by next April. Um, They say that this is a major step in the reform of ports and rails to ease logistical bottlenecks, and they've created uh, sort of new positions within the entity that are going to look at reforming the rail network and um, basically renting it out to to private companies, which will be able to um, collect some money from it in exchange for maintaining the network. Uh, this has taken too long, and I think the devil will be in the details of each individual um, transaction that is uh, uh, agreed here um, as to where the companies are actually able to properly manage the thing without micromanagement or interference from Transnet. But this seems to be definitely a step in the right direction, a rare step in the right direction from government. And I am uh, I sort of cautiously optimistic. What do you think, Herman? Well, I'm close to joining you on cautious, um, but I'm not quite sure I'm joining you on optimistic. The devil will be in the details here. The problem really will be whether we see another SAA situation. SAA still exists, reintroduced magically by Praveen Gordon, nominally in private ownership. But we all know that it's just in the, it's, 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 it's a state proximity. It's a, it's a state proximate company. It's a state proximate privately held company, Takatsu, that is the controlling shareholder in SAA. So well, you can privatize. Not quite, not quite yet. They they still they still haven't finalized the details for that, despite planning it Fair for enough. two Fair years. <laughs> yes, I mean, exactly. The risk here is that an oligarchical uh, that oligarchy replaces. Cada capitalism. We've got Cada capitalism currently, where you know it's the, the 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 market is so free that you can buy a cabinet. So the problem becomes when we now introduce almost in a post-Soviet Union Russian style the ability for massive state assets ownership to go into a, the hands of a small controlling oligarchical elite that is willing to cooperate with the government. That it becomes government operated or government aligned in you know every practical sense of the word and yes. where the real devil in the details will come out is whether these private companies will need to meet absurd bee 
um, uh, uh, metrics, whether they will need to pay homage to the God of the state, whether they should, whether they will be expected to lubricate these deals with generous accessions to the ANC or the government. The private sector isn't a magic bullet. What makes the private sector, or a silver bullet, what makes the private sector useful as a problem-solving mechanism is it can, without the expectation of the state, fail because it doesn't satisfy the consumer. The problem with a private sector that is in both uh, uh, invested in the experience of the consumer, but also dependent on pleasing the state, is that you just encourage different forms of patronage to flow without any guarantee of the consumer experience actually being improved. Just saying the word private involvement or private sector involvement isn't enough. We need private sector involvement that caters to the needs of the consumer and not any official or politician, and that's the sort of details we need to look out for. Uh, that's an excellent point. Um, and, you know, uh, sort of crony capitalism or oligarchy is not really the sort of free market solution that we are advocating for here. Um, and I think definitely you're correct to warn that it is something to keep an eye on and fight against if that is what the sort of end result of this process is. Anyway, let us close for today. hope that you've enjoyed the show. And that's a wrap. Thank you.